When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, and uh, I am tired, Brett. <laughs> I think we're going to spend the next you know, hour of this show or whatever, this pod, just talking about 9 o'clock local time for Arizona tip-offs and how they wreck old people like us. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> we're recording on, on Wednesday the 26th, and I'm not going to lie, Adam. I was pretty darn tired all day today after uh, staying up for the entirety of that game. Yeah, yeah. I'd been doing well. We're going to bed at halftime when it was Stanford and was Colorado for these 9 o'clock tip-offs. And at the very least, I think it was Stanford makes sense. It was a California game, and they're an hour behind Arizona. Colorado didn't make sense when it was in McHale Center. It's like, why are you starting this game at 9 o'clock? And it's one of those where... I figure I'm going to go to bed at halftime because either Arizona's going to cruise to a victory and I'm be like, yeah, cool, I'll wake up to that, or they're going to collapse, and I'm going to be glad I didn't watch that happen. So going to bed is like hedging, like, hey, you know what? Either yeah. way, I win. That could not happen against UCLA. They'll need to watch that entire game, of course, and it was a big game. It was Arizona's biggest game, well, since conference play started, and rescheduled was supposed to be God, a few weeks ago, ended up being the third game in six days to finish off this California road trip. And a lot of people looked at it, Brett, as like, okay, we're going to see what Arizona's really made of in this game. You know, number three at the time, Arizona, number, what, seven, eight, UCLA, however you look at them. And Arizona got to a good start, and the rest of the game was bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, we complain about being tired. We hadn't played three road games in six days, right? <laughs> um and, and it's funny because that, that, that game got off to a torrid pace uh, with both teams just playing amazing offense, shooting the ball very effectively. And then that just stopped happening for Arizona. Say, for both teams, it stopped. Like yeah. One team, it did not. More, more so for Arizona. They ended up being 23 of 75 uh, compared. Uh, it's, you know, just under 31 percent. Uh, whereas UCLA had was 50 percent, 32 out of 64 from the field. And that's, you know. As the game wore on, you know, speaking of the tired thing and the fatigue, I feel like you could see that coming out. It's not an excuse, and Arizona's got to rise above it. But, you know, some of those things where they got plenty of looks that were good looks, they were just, just weren't dropping. And sometimes that's the first thing to go as a, as a basketball player when your legs are tired, your jump shot's just a couple inches off, and that's where you get a good look, and you're like, gosh, it's just not falling. But I think the second half... Um, in the first, you know, handful of possessions, Christian Coloco had like three straight plays where he got a really good high percentage shot, and it just rimmed around and came out. And Ben Matherin missed layups, and yeah, it was Paul just... Larson missed layups. It's it was just a rough game, and <laughs> it's going to sound, I think, like we're 
you know, just be like, oh, it's fine. Like, it's you wanted to see Arizona win. And if they weren't going to win, you wanted to see it be like the Tennessee game where they competed. You know, they had a chance in that game. And if a lot of people thought the officiating cost them Tennessee, I disagree. But that wasn't the case against UCLA. The Arizona got beat. Now, you could look at it and say they got beat because they were tired. And that's probably a big part of it. You know, like, I know UCLA was playing the three games in six days things, too. They played on Saturday. Arizona played Sunday. They had an extra day of rest in between. Also, they were at home. Yeah. Um, would you like to see Arizona rise above that? Yes, absolutely. And I think it was one of those games where because they weren't making the shots earlier, they, they went in that slump, and they've had those slumps before in games, but they start making shots, or at least their defense locks down the other team. And I think it was a combination of UCLA shooting the ball very, very well, and it just kind of buried Arizona. Like, you need that little extra motivation in a game, especially a young team to be like, okay, we're going to push through this because we can. It's worth it. We're right in this thing. And Arizona made a couple of runs in the second half, got it within, I think, seven, you know, seven, eight a couple of times, and then UCLA would come back and make a couple of threes, and that was that. And when Arizona needed to make a shot, they couldn't do it. They need to get a stop. They couldn't do it. They had a lot of shots blocked in this game. Eight shots blocked by UCLA. Justin Kyer, poor guy. You know? And yeah. I think just UCLA is a really good team. You don't want to take anything away from them. They're a really good team. And if anyone thought Arizona was going to run away with the Pac-12 or whatever, that's foolish. UCLA is good. Really good. Arizona is good. Really good, too. And this game, just because Arizona lost, doesn't mean what we saw the previous, what, 17 games is illegitimate. I'm not one of those people that need to see Arizona beat UCLA to feel like, yeah, they're a legitimate top 10 team. No, they're a top 10 team. They had a bad game for a myriad of, like for multitude of reasons and they played lost to a good team. It happens. Yeah. I, I think all of the, the takes coming out hot or not, uh, takes are kind of silly to me. Um, the, the the Tennessee comparison is a good one in my mind, but this just shows you the difference between, uh, Tennessee and UCLA and their, their talent level and their experience level, right? Uh, Tennessee allowed Arizona to kind of push back into it a lot more. UCLA was better at putting the, their foot on the throat and, and ending it. Right? But also helped that Arizona couldn't make a shot to save their lives. Kirk Creasa yeah. missed tw- all 12 of his shots. Ben Mathern made 5 of 22. You know, Dalen Terry missed all 5 of his. Like, Azulis, we got, he was hurt. He came off the bench and was eh, he wasn't his normal self. Like, this was not Arizona at its best, not even close. No, and and so that's where and you know the the fatigue thing plays into some of that. UCLA played decent defense, but Arizona was still getting the shots they generally wanted. Does that mean Arizona didn't get rattled at times and take a few bad shots? They absolutely did, and they turned the ball over more than they should have. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm also in a in an alternative reality world without the COVID issues from a little while back uh, when you would have had the opportunity to attend this game, Adam. Yeah, I think it would have gone better. You know, I don't I don't necessarily if if it had played as originally scheduled, I don't know necessarily that Arizona wins the game, but I sure as hell would be confident saying it's going to be a lot closer than 16 point loss. And the one thing we can both guarantee is that we wouldn't be as tired today as we record this podcast (laughs) because it would have been a normal time. (laughs) But it's a lot that goes into if you want to be down in Arizona, you say, yeah, well, they missed those shots because UCLA played good defense because they were active. But. Arizona did get a lot of good looks from three, especially, and they made seven of 28, and it felt worse than that. They had a lot of good looks they missed. They had a lot of layups, like you mentioned, that they missed. A lot of shots that were blocked, and is that legs? Probably. And, yeah, you'd want to see them push through that, but it's hard, especially when you're playing a good team. So is usually better than Arizona? They were Tuesday night. (laughs) It's hard to argue. 
you, you can't argue that. Arizona did not play a good game, and you wish they would have played a good game because if you play well in a loss, you still say, okay, you know, they're in this. But at the same time, if they play well and lose to UCLA, then you start to wonder, wait a minute, is their best not good enough? That was not Arizona's best. And now the question is, or I guess if there's a concern, is it do they bounce back from this? You know, they're going to play UCLA again, hopefully. <laughs> I don't guarantee. I don't promise any games in this uh, basketball season, but they're set to play UCLA again at home on a more regular cadence, and I'm very confident that Arizona's going to be better in that game. Yes, it's at home, but they'll be more rested. Their next game for Arizona is, at, or is hosting ASU. That shouldn't be much of a challenge. They'll have rest for that, and Arizona should look better, but that's the thing. You know, is does this game linger? Does this game shake their confidence? There's Kirk Reese that go out there, and he's not quite the same guy, and yeah, people get mad at that bravado, and yeah, you can't go oh, and, oh, shoot over oh, 12, but that's Kirk Reese. They need his swagger. On that, you know, he's one of those oh, guys yeah. that helps lift this team when he gets going. When Dale and Terry gets going, they're emotional leaders of this team. They each have bad games, and Arizona's just kind of, nah. Yeah, by the way, I've seen some takes on the boards and on the Twitter machine of like, oh, you need to send a message to Kirk Carissa and bench him. I 100% disagree with that notion because he is the, the that dog mentality in this team. And if you do that, you're only going to beat his confidence down. He knows that he had a bad game. <laughs> you need like it's it's more of a thing uh, in my mind to, quote unquote, punish him. I don't necessarily think that it's, uh, you know. Kyer or he is a materially better player. I think Kirk Carissa, though, is that that dog mentality that you need to get. And if you bench him, you're just re- reiterating his lack of confidence knowing he had a bad game, as opposed to the inverse of that is, I'm going to stand behind my point guard. I'm going to play him. I, w- I would start him and ex- publicly express that we have confidence in him if I was... Uh, this is what Tommy Lloyd did. Yeah. And that's and- the right thing to do. He knows he's not supposed to miss all 12 of his shots. Yeah, <laughs> it just, wasn't, make, just make the shots stupid, then you'll be way yeah, better. Like, oh, oh, of course I'm supposed to make them. And yes, you could. there were shots, and I know you see it sometimes when he takes those. He's like, oh, what are you doing? And I'm, I always like, well, it's kind of in the flow of the offense. That's Kirk Reese. That's part of what makes this team go. There's a balance, and I'm sure if he's going out there playing reckless and not doing things within the offense, Tommy Lloyd's going to talk to him like, hey, like you have to do this the right way, or he will pull him, or he will sit him. Mm-hmm. But... Just sometimes you're missing shots, and everybody was missing shots. You know, Justin yeah. Kyer was one of the few guys who looked like he was playing well, and he missed more shots than he t- than he took or than he made. You know, just, it was a bad game all the way around. There's not one Arizona player who was good. There were some that were fine. Coloco was fine, five of eight. You know, he had eleven point seven rebounds and a block. Umar Balo, who actually has been very good recently, especially since Tubelas got hurt, he was fine. You know, other than that, I, I thought Pella Larson looked better. He just wasn't making shots. He was at the beginning, and then it, he went ice cold, right? And like he was the rest of the bad, team. And he wasn't. And he wasn't taking bad shots. No. And that's where it just. It's. I. I think it's a game. You take what. Take what it. Uh, away from it, what you can. Uh, I do think that there was a. You know, Ben Matherin was uh, interviewed. I think in the. You know, and was talking about how they were surprised at the amount of ISO plays they ran. And that raised eyebrows. That UCLA ran. Yeah, and yeah. that raised eyebrows for me because uh, I don't know if that's a, him misspeaking or bad preparation from the coaching <laughs> staff because that is all UCLA runs is ISO plays. I, you know, it's they're they're 
the the way that game was going to go if the rule if the law of averages maybe we see this at the game in Tucson right like UCLA is going to keep playing ISO plays that's what they do and if they have they have guys that can get shots for themselves are they high percentage shots not necessarily but if they're hot and they make them and they shoot 50 percent they're going to win they a have lot good of games. players they have a lot of good players yeah. on the team that's a team that made the final four last season and brought most of them back and added to it Peyton Watson is really good <laughs> it's it's a good team yeah but like Arizona is generally the better performing team offense. They've moved the ball. They assist on a lot of plays. UCLA does not do that particularly well. They run a lot of ISOs. Uh, and so like the law of averages would say that if Arizona is going to not shoot that badly again, and I'm not sure UCLA can consistently shoot 50% running a bunch of ISOs, you know, that alone tells me the game is going to be certainly closer. And if you if you factor in some of the bad shot selection and some of the turnovers Arizona had, they you know if they shoot forty percent, this game is within what five five points at the end. Yeah, um, you know so it's everybody that's trying to extrapolate more on this game for either Arizona or UCLA, especially given the the weirdness of the schedule, is is a fool's notion in my mind. Um, and that just leads for Arizona. It's like take what it take from this game what you can, learn from it. Know how to be prepared for it. You had you had another hostile environment uh, experience, and now you you focus up focus up and go beat the snot out of ASU. <laughs> and yeah. you're gonna get another crack at, at this UCLA team when you're a little more rested and hopefully Azulis Tabellis is is feeling better. Yeah. Well, to your point, Arizona, which is just we we love their uh, assist numbers on made baskets, right? That's their offense. They had 14 assists on 23 made baskets. They made 23 shots in a basketball game. Arizona, it wasn't like they were living at their free throw line. They were 6 of 11. UCLA, which made 32 shots, had 12 assists. Two fewer assists on nine more, made, like nine more shots made. So but that's their offense, right? And to, that's to your yeah. point where if Arizona just makes, they don't have to shoot 50% to win this game. If they shoot 40% in this game, they certainly don't lose by 16 yeah, they probably right. win the game if they shoot 40%. They're in the game. They shot really, really bad. And the turnovers, they had 14. They settled down with that, too, after the first half. Like, they didn't, other than shooting, they did most things okay. It's not like UCLA, even 75 points is for an offense like what UCLA can do. That's not horrible either. No. <laughs> like, well, the only thing they shot- did do well was shoot, which, I mean, I guess we found out is an important part of winning basketball games. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Who it, knew? The, the key stat uh, determining win probability is your points compared to the other team's <laughs> points, and if you don't make them, you're not going to win very many of them. I mean, UCLA, what, hit, hit 47% of their threes, even though they're not assisting. It's like ISO threes, and some of those were tough shots. Arizona out-rebounded them 49-34. to 34. They got 21 offensive rebounds, Arizona did, compared to UCLA's four. Now, some of that is that we had ample opportunities for offensive rebounds. <laughs> and they turned them into 14-second chance points. Yeah, right. they were, we were padding the rebound sets this game where you just keep missing shot after shot, but you keep getting the rebound. Um, you know, so it's, it's to, like I said, to, to extrapolate or to extract anything too much from this game, I think, is, is foolish. Um, I don't think Arizona's floor or ceiling has changed one bit. I think UCLA just showed that they are still the same UCLA team that made a deep run in March last year. I don't think they're, you know, if they're hot, they're really tough to beat. If they're not, then their offense is going to struggle and they're going to get beaten by lesser teams sometimes. But they're a good team, and that's what we know. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly the next game against UCLA will tell us more because if Arizona plays poorly in that one and gets beat in a similar way, it's like, well, why can't you make shots against UCLA? You're not, you know, the excuse of three games in six days. You're not on the road and all that. And previously, Arizona, of course, beat Cal by 25, beat Stanford by 28, beat Utah by 18, beat Colorado by 20. Like Arizona was just killing teams. And the, you mentioned the hot takes people had after this game, and no matter what happened against UCLA, they were going to fly. But it was I, I, the biggest issue for the people. I was like, that was the first game against a ranked team since, what, Tennessee, which Arizona lost to on the road, but again, on the road and different things. Whereas I look at it and say, yeah, I want to see them beat those ranked teams, sure. But you have to be a good team to be dominating all these guys by 20-plus points. Yeah. Like, that doesn't happen by accident. Now, when Arizona gets to the tournament, Pac-12, and then, of course, NCAA, they're going to play tough teams. They're going to play teams maybe not as good as UCLA in the first few rounds or first couple of rounds, but they're going to play good teams, and I have full confidence that Arizona can beat them. Now, the disappointment is like we saw that they can have a game where they shoot like they did against UCLA, and the hope is that it's purely just dead legs, purely that they were just, they got exhausted, they didn't have it in them because if because it didn't really feel like UCLA shut them down. And yes, the block shots, but how much of that was the fact that Arizona was just tired? Yeah. So... <laughs> If you, can, if you can pinpoint and say they were tired, that was the issue here, then you can feel pretty good going forward because I guess other than the Pac-12 tournament, they're not going to have that type of setup, and they won't have that type of setup in March Madness. It'll be more of the every other day, like two games in four days, and then that's that. So if you look at it that way, then you don't feel so bad about this one because like that's why Arizona was bad. That's why they didn't make shots. That's why their defense was a half-step slow. That's why you know everything just went against them. But... It has to be that way. Like it, you have to be able to pinpoint that as the reason, that as the excuse. And yeah, it's an excuse right now. But if Arizona comes out and just rolls ASU, does to ASU what they've been doing to pretty much everyone else, then either hopefully beats UCLA next week, but competes with them, certainly has a closer game than they had at Poly Pavilion, then you could feel like, yeah, okay, they're, they're fine. Like the, the outlier was at UCLA for reasons yeah. that Arizona could not control. Like, I mean, not to beat the, the, the tired dead horse, like, I don't think I've ever seen Ben Matherin tired before, and he looked exhausted in the last five minutes of that game. And to be fair, if Arizona had kept it close, if they had been playing better, they wouldn't have looked as tired. I think they would have been able to find that were, extra bit of out. juice and, like, okay, we can do this. You know, you need that little confidence. It's a mental part. It's as much mental at that point as it is physical for them. Completely. And they got down. You say they would get it to seven, get to eight. You say they would make a three. It's like, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It was easier than to just fall back, and I wish I'd gone to bed sooner. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure half of. Uh, I'm sure Carissa wishes he had gone to bed sooner. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I look at this and looking ahead with the fresh legs in Tucson, I don't think it should be a shocking outcome if Arizona wins by 16 in Tucson. And then what does that tell us about either team? Probably again, not that much. Yeah, <laughs> but one thing we can maybe take away really quick before we wrap up the first segment, kind of talking about this most recent these few games. The Tubelis injury did allow for Marbalo to get more minutes. He's looked really good, more polished than, like, I mean, we've seen it just growing. Like, when he transferred to Arizona, I was like, oh, this guy is raw. He's huge, but he's a raw prospect, and he's got good hands. He's a big, he's still huge, but he has some skill to go with that size. And, again, that gives Arizona, when they're healthy, what, basically three skilled seven-footers? Who has that? And some of them we've seen Coloco and Balo or Tubelis and one of the other two playing at the same time. That gives Arizona quite an advantage in most games. Yeah, and, you know, before the season, I was pretty loud that my big concern on this roster was I don't know if there's a guy you can dump the ball down to that has effective post moves. And Umar Balo 
Balo and uh, Christian Coloco have largely said, shut up, Brett, you idiot. Because um, I think Balo has far exceeded expectations uh, in a lot of ways. But on, honestly, you can see it in, in his post moves from the first couple games of the year to now. The in-season development in 15 games has been dramatic. Yeah. And and don't don't discount that when you get to good teams and you get into, you know, dog fights where people are playing scrappy defense, having a good post threat to score is gonna is gonna solve a lot of problems for Arizona when the outside shots aren't falling. But in the UCLA game when the inside shots weren't falling, it didn't matter. Yeah. So <laughs> if the, that's the positive take from Amit. The rest most of the road trip was good. Just it finished oh, yeah. with a thud and probably should have finished with a nap as well. But <laughs> we'll we'll move on from that one, I think. And Arizona does play Arizona State University. The rivalry picks up in Tucson this weekend. But before we talk about that game, let's take a quick break. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And, Brett, it's <laughs> if you ask anyone who Arizona's basketball rivalry is, if you ask Arizona fans, they'll probably say UCLA and maybe Oregon lately. They don't say ASU. <laughs> that said, like I wouldn't say ASU is the basketball rival because rivalry usually implies that there's some level of competitiveness between the <laughs> two teams. Historically speaking, Arizona and ASU are not competitive. Recently, there's been a few more slip-ups for the Wildcats, which means they better win this game and they better win it by a lot on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, you know, my hope is uh, some of the... The mental exhaustion and physical exhaustion frustration boils over this weekend, and the Arizona Wildcats men's basketball team takes it out on ASU's team. And I'm sure that will elicit very calm reactions from uh, Coach Bobby Hurley, who I think is back from his suspension for our game. Is that correct? Yeah, he should be back for this one. Um, so that, you know... If, if, if Arizona uh, struggles mightily in this game, I don't think ASU is bad. I think I they're do. a decent I think they're an okay team. I think they have some talent. I have weird questions about Bobby Hurley as an actual in-game coach, which is surprising from There's a point guard. Nothing weird about those questions. They're perfectly legitimate. Well, and echoed by most, I would think it, it's by just, now. I think you would think a point guard from Duke who was an NBA lottery pick would have better basketball intelligence and better scheming and, and in-game adjustments. And he just doesn't seem to have it. Okay. Probably, probably because he's spending most of his time blowing steam out of his ears and cursing epithets at the referee while his hands are politely put behind his back. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think, I don't think there's a world in which ASU should win this game more than just from sheer weirdness of a rivalry game. Now, if Arizona comes out and drops a, you know, turd of a game in this one, then we can say, all right, maybe the UCLA game is more of an indication, but I, I highly doubt that's going to be the case. Um, we also have, you know, 15 games leading up to this that would that support the notion that that would be a very surprising outcome. And just simply put, I don't think ASU has the horses to compete with Arizona, even if they put up a C game. Right. Yeah. I, I tend to believe that as well, because you look at it, ASU, they've struggled this year. They remade their roster. The most talented roster in ASU history last season was not very good. They lost a lot from there. Marcus Bagley came back. He's played three games so far. I don't think he's expected back for this one. If he was, then that would make a difference. He's a talented player who hasn't played in weeks now. But it's just not a very ASU. They remade the roster. They brought in a lot of transfers. 
And that's why I want to like the rivalry aspect of it. These are guys who are like mercenary type players. A lot of them, they're not part of this rivalry. They haven't played Arizona before. They probably don't care. Like they went to ASU trying to prove that they could get the job done at the higher level of quality in the Pac-12. And I think that's part of the problem. Without following every ASU game, when you bring in a bunch of guys who are from smaller schools who want to go prove themselves at the higher, you know, the bigger level, the top level, well, they all have the same goals. It's not going to really work well as a team, right? Because <laughs> they're all trying to do the same thing there. And they don't shoot the ball well. They shoot 41% as a team this season. 41% like from the field. That is not not good. <laughs> You know, DJ Horn is their leading scorer. Kamani Lawrence is a veteran. He's second on the team. They have three guys who average double figures, and one of them is Marcus Bagley. He's averaging 10 points a game in the three games he's played. Like, this is an offensively challenged team. It's not a particularly big team. Arizona has an athletic advantage, a substantial size advantage, a depth advantage, a shooting advantage, where basically as long as they play, they can't play like they did against UCLA because that'll make it tougher. But if they play... 75% of their normal selves, they win this game by 15. Especially in, in Tucson, right? I it's I, I think you're right. I, I honestly think if it's not by 15 or more, I, I'll be a little bit concerned. <laughs> and even if, if Arizona struggles a little bit at any aspect, having this game be in Tucson, that mitigates some of the rivalry weirdness and emotionality. See, I don't think and there's I, really much rivalry weirdness in this game. I, it's basketball. This isn't football. I think I it can happen. It. I think it happen can happen in Tempe at McHale North, um, just because there's a lot more. There's something of a more of a balance, even though I'd say even in Tempe, it's often fifty fifty with the crowd. Um, I don't think I, I'll put it this way. I don't think a, a home Arizona crowd would allow they, their their ability to influence the emotions of the game in Tucson mitigate much downside weirdness risk in my mind. Like, okay. It'll keep them out of a lull for any long period of time. I'll accept that. Um, so yeah, I there's I don't I think if you go position by position, I think to your point, one through ten, Arizona's got superior talent at every one of those spots at every one of those positions, and I don't think it's particularly close. And I include and going down and including Coach Tommy Lloyd, I think it's proven to be a better just <laughs> raw basketball coach than than Bobby Hurley is, and yeah. it's it's smaller sample size, but. You know, I, I, I'm confident Arizona's going to come out ready to play, rested, at home, not at 9 o'clock in their home time zone. <laughs> yeah, it's a 12.30 tip. Like, that's not bad. That's a day game. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be like, what? The, this is like a morning game where they've spent the last week in, count, in the, you know, in, on the West Coast. Like, is there uh, a chance that Marion Jackson, for instance, has a good game? Yes. Jay Heath, DJ Horn could go off. It, it, there's a chance. But Arizona has so much more firepower than ASU does. Whereas the past ASU teams that would beat Arizona, they had Remy Martin who would start making 25-foot threes. They had Alonzo Verge who was capable of scoring 25. I think there was the one game a few years ago where he scored like 50 of the team's 54 points or something in a loss. It was a crazy stat that was really funny at the time. It's actually still pretty funny now. But this is not a very talented ASU team. There's a lot of decent enough players, I guess, but they're not a good team. And they don't have anyone who's good enough to carry them again to a win against a team like Arizona. Like they don't have a Remy Martin on this team. They don't have a Trey Holder. You know, they don't have a Jahee Carson. There's no one who's on that level on this team. So I, <laughs> the famous last words, right? You know, we, we just <laughs> talk about how ASU has no chance to beat Arizona, but just basketball. Arizona does not have to play their best game to beat this ASU team. Like ASU's best, I don't know if we've seen it, but I'm not even sure what their ceiling is with this group. 
And I don't know if their ceiling is any higher than Arizona's. I guess we could, we saw their floor against UCLA when they're tired. Their normal floor, their normal rested floor, I think might be slightly higher, at least the same level as ASU's ceiling. I really do. Yeah, I think I think a tired Arizona that performs like they did against UCLA can still win that game. And like the difference is there's size advantage there that Arizona has uh, really over 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 ASU. It was not nearly as much the case at at UCLA. And I just don't. Th- if Arizona plays decent defense, yeah, you know, one or two ASU guys could get hot, but they're not the talent of the ISO players of a, a you know, Jaime Hawkes or you know, Tiger Campbell even, who didn't even do that much against against Arizona. The one thing though, you have to be mindful of your Arizona, and I don't think it's going to be a problem based on the last game. Is it sandwiched in between the next game against UCLA? Granted that UCLA game is on Thursday, so there's still plenty. It's not like it's like, oh, we just got to get through this game because you got to get through this game and then like another four days of practice. So it's not exactly like a trap game. And I don't think you can have a trap game after you just lost by 16, uh, you know, at home against quote unquote to some people, your rival. I'm not worried about that, but that's the one thing you look at and say, well, you know, then maybe they're focusing on the other UCLA game. I don't think that's going to be a problem. But if, you know, I'm sure someone might say, oh, well, you know, they're more worried about the Bruins again. Yeah, even then, the fact that this the UCLA game was on a Tuesday and not the Thursday, like it's it's there's enough time even between this game. If they start to get distracted, they can regain focus before Saturday against ASU. <laughs> no, right. I, I just mean like looking at the ASU game. The next UCLA game is Thursday of the following week, so I, I think they're fine. It's the only I, game of yeah, the week. It's, I, it's, I don't think that should be an issue. After three games in six calendar days, they're going to have you know those two. The there's this is the only game for what nine calendar days or ten t- calendar days. It does it's, set up an interesting stretch though, because you're home against ASU, then you're home against UCLA and USC. You haven't played USC yet. They're supposed to play the original trophy. The UCLA game got rescheduled for this past Tuesday. USC has not, but those are two tough teams, as we know. UCLA and USC both are. Then they're at ASU. That game was rescheduled for February seventh. Then you're at Washington State, at Washington, and home against Oregon State or the Oregon schools. After that, it's not to see. There's no such thing as necessarily an easy stretch, but when you're one of the top two teams in the conference, most of those games should be W's. Yeah, <laughs> like, and that's where this part of the season too. It's I don't, I don't say it's like the dog days. This isn't a baseball season where they're like okay, because they're still playing for the Pac-12 title. They're still playing for seating. There's nothing that there's dragging on here with this team. But for a young program, for a young roster still that hasn't maybe played these roles this much, you know, this many minutes, this much of a focus on them for this much of the season, it's a little bit new. So it's, it's that kind of point in the season where it's like, okay, reset yourselves and go on another run. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I I mean, the, the two of the biggest games on the schedule are coming up after this ASU game. And then it's that's where I would be more to your point. I think you get more concerned about their minds drifting <laughs> until maybe Oregon comes to town and on February 19th, but that's, you know, already we're looking at a full four weeks to get to mm-hmm. that game. Um, you know, it's, I think right now you know, you have a nice opportunity to beat up on somebody that is your in-state quote unquote rival. And you've had four days to seethe about it and rest up. And hopefully Azula Stabellis gets healthy and, Bluntly, if he's not 100%, I'm not even sure I want him to play a minute against ASU. I think the fact that he played against UCLA means he's basically 100%. Yeah, I mean, it was they clearly limited his minutes, and he's clearly not moving well, but he also now can basically rest for four straight days to be ready for ASU. I don't think they put him out there if there's um, a risk of making it worse. That wouldn't have made any sense. Nope. I mean, I hope they wouldn't have done that anyway. Yeah, I mean, if not for the ankle, though, he's starting... 
I don't think that was a strategic move. Right. So I, I, he's, I don't think he was a hundred percent. I don't think, I don't think it's, there's a, uh, the worst case scenario of re-injury risk, I think is not that low. It's more, does it linger? I'm not sure. Um, I mean, he was struggling to move a little bit laterally against UCLA. I'm not convinced ASU has a guy that can get around him that he'd be guarding. (laughs) So, you know, him on one leg might be enough. I mean, maybe Bagley, but he's not, (laughs) he's just an athlete. He's not even that good of a player. And I don't think he's expected to play, but watch him just run out of the tunnel. Like, you know, just because. Just because. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what his issue is, what his injury is, but you know, the assumption is he'll play again. Yeah. I think, I think this is a game you get, you, Take it out. All your frustrations on your on your in-state rivalry. You, you get, get right. You get right. Yeah, this you get game. you get right. You get Kirk Carissa, Get some of his swagger back. He, he sees the ball go through the hoop. You know, if I'm if I'm a if I'm Tommy Lloyd, I run a play to try to get him a layup early yeah. in the game. Like, like first possession, see, like something see the scripted. Ball go, yeah, yeah. See the ball go through the hoop. <laughs> yeah, that would, um, that would be nice. That that old. Uh, Run the old Sean Miller offense with the uh, back screen on the point guard for the lob from the wing. Do that for Kirk Carissa. You know, I think it might be there. Yeah. Um, get him right. If he gets right, you know, get Dalen Terry right. He was another guy that missed all of his shots. He had zero points. You know, he he's he's never known as a shooter, but he needs to be something of a threat. Uh, yeah. I think he airballed a couple three, uh, at least one three against UCLA. Get the team right. Get your get your legs back. Get Tabellus, you know, shake any rust off or lingering impacts, or rest him if it's a problem. And then you get another couple of days to relax and rest and prepare for UCLA and Tucson. And you don't have to stay in a hotel for another week. Stay in your own bed. I think it's going to make a big difference for uh, the game on uh, on February third. All right. So important game Saturday against ASU twelve thirty. That one's at the McHale Center. We're both in agreement. The Wildcats should win. They should win fairly comfortably. But you know it's. Not the most important game on the schedule, but man, would it be satisfying? <laughs> like <laughs> oh. it's a game that you need just to feel like you feel good about Arizona. Hey, they're back on track, and it's never bad to beat ASU. <laughs> just don't screw it up, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What he said. So, but let's take one more break, and we come back. There's some football rankings news. There's some scheduling news, and the women's basketball team had a nice win against UCLA. They avenged the men's basketball team. Welcome back. One more segment to go here on Wildcat Radio 2.0. And let's start with the women's basketball team, Brett. They are coming off of recording this on Wednesday the 26th in Arizona. Beat UCLA, avenged the men, if you will. 74-63 got to a rush star in that game and then came back real strong. And it's one of those games where you feel like they also just beat number 21 Colorado really badly in Tucson. This one was on the road. But they, you know, I don't want to say they're struggling. They lost to USC. On the ninth, they lost at Oregon in overtime in a game that certainly was not without some drama and some controversy, especially afterwards. But, you know, this is a program that we know. It's kind of like the men's team that we know they're good. Like, you like to see them win these games, but we know they're good, that there's bigger games coming up for them. So, you know, it's still just nice to see them win. Yeah, and, you know, the the Arizona women had kind of the inverse of uh, the men's game against UCLA where they had, in the first quarter, were just terrible down. I think they were down 10 or more. 19 to 8. Yeah, you know, 8 points in the quarter uh, and looked just god-awful and then turned it on the rest of the way. And, you know, you score 8 points in the first quarter and you end up with 74. That tells you uh, (laughs) how how quickly the tables turned. Um, You know, and they were just tentative missing shots not taking good shots in the first quarter and then they they you know 
it's amazing what maybe fresh legs does for a team. Um, <laughs> it doesn't hurt. And so they, you know, they they turned it on and, and ended up beating UCLA pretty pretty handily. Uh, and what are they up to 15, fifteen and two now? I think the the men's and women's team almost have the same same record now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's a good win. Adia Barnes' team, they're they're good. Like we know they got depth, and I think they're recognized nationally still as one of the best teams. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So that's good to see. Of course, baseball and softball are preseason ranked pretty high by most publications, so those will be fun seasons. I, we'd have a hard time not talking about football, though. And how are we talking about football in January 26th? Like, our excitement for uh, spring ball, of course. But a lot of the companies that do the ranking services out there for the recruiting, Arizona has some guys who got a little bit of a bump. I know Rayshon Luke got a bump. Uh, T-Mac has gotten a bump. All it does is just reaffirm that Arizona, the stars they got in this class, they identified as high-quality players, and people agree. And there's some the lineman, I don't want to pronounce his name, the guard from... <laughs> Jonah? Sure, Jonah, yeah. <laughs> that they identified him. He looks like a guy who could start on day one for them. Just more excitement for the program. Like it's, we knew it was a good recruiting class, and it's starting to look even better. Yeah, and I don't know if you had a chance to watch the uh, the Polynesian Bowl, Adam, but there, Arizona, Arizona Wildcats were very well represented there. Noah Fita, Jacob Manu, Jonah, uh, T-Mac, all there, all you know, fairly highly involved. Uh, Noah Fafita had a rushing touchdown. T-Mac had a number of catches. Uh, Jacob Manu, I think, picked off Noah Fafita on a deflected pass that should have been caught. Um, you know, ba- basically, it's it, it, we're seeing more confirmation of... of uh, why we should be excited about these guys and big big jonah went from being you know one of the lower rated guys to a pretty significant bump to be a high three star and there's there's some rumblings that he might end up proving to be one of the best pros out of the whole class and when you see him as a true freshman good good lord i i would love that guy lead blocking (laughs) is he the umar balo of the football team i mean he's he's umar balo uh (laughs) thick with more like four C's. <laughs> I mean, he is, he is a large man that seems to move well. And I think he actually won the, uh, the leadership award for the poly bowl, uh, among all of the, all of his peers there. I think there was like hundred players and he got recognized for that. Also was the leader of doing the Haka. I don't know if you saw that video. Adam. I did see, I did see that video. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's all of our reasons for optimism seem to be continually being confirmed, uh, you know, T-Mac didn't, I don't think, get a fifth star in the 247 ratings yet. I don't know if that's all finally finalized, but I think he's up in the top 50 now there. He's still a five-star, I think 13 in rivals. Um, I think Jacob Manu got a bump up along with uh, with Big Jonah. You know, I I really want spring football to start and then hopefully everybody to be to get out of their the next thing is to get out of their healthy. Right? Say off-seasons have been the best. It's when they get on the field that things have not gone as well, but... Even still, it's nice when you're Arizona, you're trying to rebuild this program. And for Jed Fish, it's just another feather in their cap that they did identify good talent. Some of these guys might have been under-recruited, and Arizona did well to land them. You know, it doesn't mean they're going to be good players. And, of course, there's a lot there's a lot that has to go right for them still. But you feel better about what they've done, that they can identify talent at a pretty high level. Uh, speaking of recruiting, we'll go back to the women's basketball team. Maya Najee and Paris Clark, a couple of commits there, named the McDonald's All-America team. So, like, but that's we know Adia Barnes just has a machine. <laughs> like, she's just bringing in talent on talent on talent. So that is not bad either. So, 
Let the good times roll for uh, women's basketball and recruiting, and then baseball's going to come around, and you know, baseball season's upon us. Women's softball with Caitlin Lowe as the head coach. You know, they should have a strong so roster. Two new again. coaches, Caitlin Lowe and Chip Hale, for the Diamond Sports. So that'll be fun to see how they do with good rosters, good teams that have high expectations. Of course, how can we not mention the men's tennis team beat number five Texas? In the last couple of days, like, that's a hell of a win. I don't know much about men's tennis, I'll be honest with you, and how that goes in the college team, but I know when you beat the number five team in the nation and you're not one of the top-ranked teams in the you know, programs in the country, that's a good win. Like, that says something that you're, it says you're doing something right. That's the kind of a quality analysis you come to expect from Wildcat Radio 2.0. Hey, it's, it's the end of the podcast. If people made it this long, then, you know, they already got the good stuff. Like, Fair enough. <laughs> so we just told them to stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm tired. Like, yeah, like I said, like we said, listeners, we're, we're it's been a long day uh, after a long night, and uh, maybe maybe perhaps you and I uh, had a beverage or two on a school night, and also stayed up late, which doesn't contribute to our energy level. Definitely, yeah. No, I don't know who is more tired of being into their effort, the Wildcats men's basketball team or us on this podcast. But either way, I think we should probably wrap this up before someone from UCLA blocks the finish or something like that. I don't know. Before we airball the finish. Yeah, that, that works too. So, you know, one place we don't look tired is on Twitter. Make sure you follow us at Wildcat Radio AZ, especially during games. There's some delightful content. Often you'll be asked to post a GIF, depending on GIF. Did I do it wrong? I agree with how you pronounced it this okay, time. Okay, a GIF, you know, with your feelings on a half or the end of the game. So be mindful of that. And also, you can find us on Spotify, on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to us on each of those platforms. If you subscribe to us, on iTunes and you leave us a review and a rating, we will read that review on the show because we like to hear your thoughts and we accept them, good or bad. So, yeah, do all that. Make sure you tune into us next week when we have a little bit more energy and hopefully a win over ASU to talk about. Because until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.